Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. John! What? Red 7! I don't know what Red 7 means. Hot route! I don't. What is hot route? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Down! Ready! Down! Set! Hut! Hut! what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> it's time for the Soonerscoop.com postgame show presented by Eskridge Lexus in Oklahoma City. Eskridge Lexus is the official travel partner of Soonerscoop.com podcasts. Now, here's your road crew, Carrie, Eddie, and Bob, wrapping up all the action and reaction from this week's game. That's right. The first weekend of college football is now behind us. The Sooners win it 45-13 to over UTEP. And uh, it was a pretty easy one today on Owen Field. A hot one for sure. And uh, I, I tell you what, uh, Dylan Gabriel, check. He looked the part. Uh, I would say Oklahoma defense, check. They looked the part. Uh, we could talk about individuals, and we will. Uh, but we welcome in Josh McQuistian, who is uh, joining us from home. Uh, and Eddie Radosevich here in studio is uh, the Eskridge Lexus postgame podcast is back in action. We want to thank Eskridge Lexus for being our title sponsor once again uh, for yet another year. Uh, if only you knew how much work that we put into uh, the Eskridge Lexus postgame podcast. Every once in a while, I think, you know, just like a football team, sometimes you need a test run. I disagree. Um, <laughs> No, it was a lot of fun today. I, I think that from a season opener uh, point of view, from a new era point of view, this is exactly what Oklahoma was. What wanted. did you think about the energy outside the stadium coming into the game? I'll tell you what. I, I parked over in the Jenkins garage coming up uh, before the game, and they were doing like the Walk of Champions mm-hmm. or whatever. There's something that I think Brent has wanted to start here uh, early, and I took one gander over there and went, mm, that's a lot of people. I think I'm going to just go – take a left on Lindsay and go straight into the stadium. It was, it was very packed. It was a good turnout. Yeah. And you saw Brent get out of the bus, John Shin, give him credit. Uh, he went down there and, and he was and in the, he was in the mix over there. He was right there no in shit. the front. Uh, he fought his way over there. Uh, and, uh, he, he got Brent coming out of the bus, a lot of energy. Uh, and he was fired up. He was pumping his fists. He was giving the, o, he was doing the OU chant with the crowd. Uh, and, uh, the energy just continued throughout the day, I think, until, you know, uh, it got to be about, let's see, what was the scoring charge? I'm going to pinpoint the exact time. I'd say probably 42-10. Uh, and then, and really it was even after halftime, but uh, 35-10 maybe. The crowd started dissipating, at least on the east side. And there's a lot of fighting and, and on, on Twitter and people like, this is embarrassing. And Josie needs to take away the student tickets. Like, it was legitimate, legitimately miserable out there. I had my binoculars. I was just looking at the people that were left on the east side. They looked like they all needed medical attention. It was, yeah, kudos to anybody that stayed on the east side through the uh, middle of the third quarter because it was absolutely miserable 
out there today. And we've had a lot of rain this week, so it's super humid. I mean, uh, Eddie, I'm just glad that you uh, you survived. You're, yeah, I did you're it. a survivor. I again. did it. I did it. Uh, yeah, you even got, add that to the resume. I no saw. Big deal. I saw new uh, new. Uh, um, what's the 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 stupid orange cone? Uh, not cone, but yeah, we got a we got a pylon. New I, pylon pick. I mean, honestly, it was a pretty good opener for myself because I got a pylon pick. I got a uh, I I took a knee in the end zone. I saw that on a yeah. kickoff. Uh, had a nice ovation from my friends over in the north end zone. So yeah, I, I would give myself uh, you know kind and of a passing survived. list and, yeah. a, and a passing uh, yeah, and I survived. So uh, you missed out on a lot, Josh. Yeah, I I don't know that I had a chance to tell you, Eddie, but you showed up pretty prominently on national television when. Uh, oh, did I? Good. You, yeah, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we, I, I was watching Tiffany. I think has taken a real shine to you with that move. Um, she goes, "Was that Eddie?" And so we had to, we had to go back and look, and it was most certainly you with uh, with taking a knee in the end zone. So one hundred percent, it caught you. Uh, yeah, it caught you just at the tail end there. So, do you um, think you'll ever top your wave at uh, at the Cotton Bowl? Oh, on the on the big score? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, probably not. Between that and the Kansas State <laughs> band incident, probably not. Those are probably two of the uh, the better moments outside of the uh, the bitch at the bus stop. But you know, it was a culmination of a, a long nine months and. Uh, you know, OU pass was flying colors. Today. Speaking of which, uh, parking in my parking lot, I crossed the pass with uh, a man named Chris Foshi, sporting Foch. your uh, sporting your uh, Make Lindsey Street Again T-shirt. He's very proud. A great fight game in his own right. He was uh, he was working hard. It, it, the shirt had gotten kind of dirty. He said he brought a backup for the game just in case. I I'm going to say he probably had to put on the backup. There you go. I it was uh, it was it was cool to see a bunch of the shirts and like the U40 hats. I saw a couple of those walking in. Uh, this nice. afternoon so it was it was really cool and you know it was kind of a culmination of uh the beginning of the brent venables era which i thought was really funny before the game that you know anytime that he was showed on the big screen it was like a he definitely got how about this uh real accurate starting lineups yeah i noticed that how about that shit that. that was awesome that like was awesome like they didn't beat around the bush and put wanye morris up there like some people would have done in the past sure sure it was you it, knew that that lineup now you can trust the lineup every week like you know if you see like uh uh DJ Graham is going to start instead of Jane Davis like that's that happened like they turned that in first quarter i thought that was about as good of a start to as you could possibly have imagined. oh yeah between you know the offense obviously taking the opening series and just going right down the field and getting a it three was and the out. first kind of baker kyler esque Sure. First quarter that we've seen. Sure, it, it felt right. Since then. It felt right. You go up 21 nothing. you pretty much have done everything perfectly. No, I, I think that's fair. And, you know, I, Jeff Levy said it after the game, but... You By know, the way, they took the ball to uh, win the, I they, noted, when the I, toss, I, I took the ball. Was, I thought that was interesting that they, you know, I, it doesn't really matter to me either way, but I thought it was we interesting didn't, We forgot to ask Brent to, you know, why they did that. Like, obviously, you know the answer, to, but you just want to hear him talk yeah, about it. I think he wanted to, you know, go down, score, get the, get the crowd into the game, ignite the stadium, and... They kind of did that. And, you know, obviously defensively, uh, I thought it was a really solid performance overall. Uh, you give up 13 points. Obviously, you keep them out of the end zone. They, they score one touchdown. But, uh, you know, it's kind of a scumbag move, kicking a uh, field goal down by 29 or 32, 33 points. Uh, but what was a 49-yarder? The uh, UTEP 54-yarder? Yeah, the UTEP one to get back underneath the number before uh-huh. you went back right. down and kick a field goal, which was a very important field goal for the alumni. So congratulations <laughs> to Zach Schmidt. But I don't know. Where do you want to start, Josh? I thought it was I thought it was a very complete effort today. 
that that's what stuck out to me um, was I don't know that there were a lot of superstar performances or anything like that, but I felt like and it kind of reflected in the report card. There weren't a lot of like ninety five plus scores, but there also weren't a lot of like sub seventies. Like it was just a bunch of very good performances, just the guys playing good winning football and doing so play in, play out, and being fairly consistent. Guys, what one of the things and you know, you might have a better feel for it than I did being there. I my real question coming into this year, probably the biggest one on the team to me was pass rush. How are they going to create pressure? And I thought, I mean, clearly, if you look at the sack numbers, obviously Reggie Grimes had a huge day. I just thought it was kind of interesting that it seemed like at times they were really doing a nice job creating pressure, and then at times he just had all day. It was it was just kind of an up and down, um, uh, you know, day. I guess from from that perspective. You know, one thing nobody's asking about after this game defensively. Or, or talking about t- missed tackles. Yeah, I mean, it, was, it, <laughs> it, it, it sounds so stupid. I've heard Teddy Lehman say this a couple times. It's like, it sounds so stupid, but it shouldn't be a surprise that when you practice tackling in practice, you're you better become at it. Yeah. better tacklers. Like, it, two and two go together, right? It's S-A-W-F-T. Soft. Oh, I had to do like I was. Oh. I was like trying yeah, to think. I was, I was like, like, "What, what am, I? am I missing yeah. here?" Yeah. No, mm-hmm. they they did tackle extremely well, and you heard. You know, I think when everybody when the depth chart came out and Jaden Davis is starting at cornerback, you go, "Oh, that's kind of weird." But one of the first things that Brent Venable said on Tuesday was one of the reasons why was because he was consistent at tackling in practice, and you saw that early in the game. On he Saturday. had the he had the 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 tackle for a loss. It looked yep. like it could have been. Possibly UTEP trying to set up a double pass because it was so deep, but he was right on top of the receiver when he caught it. Uh, dove right in and, and got both his ankles, and it was a solid tackle. And there was another time he did that. I think it was Lalu followed up like the guy. He basically was standing him up, and here comes the Lalu just just d- destroyed the guy. It, it seemed like there was a lot of gang tackling today. Like yeah. you that first ball, uh, the first guy on the ball carrier. He wasn't trying to rip. He wasn't trying to. Uh, we had you know, a Kenneth Murray clothesline tackle today. Like, how long has it been since you've seen something like that from an OU player? And who would have thought that it was going to be Billy Bowman that yeah. did that? And, well, you know, Billy Bowman get his hands on uh, footballs early. Danny Stussman getting his hands on footballs early in the game should have had an interception. First play of the, the game, I think, one. right? Uh, I mean, that, for Bowman, that Bowman yeah, broke the de- up, right? First, first defensive snap, yeah. And then, you know, it, uh, Jalen Redman got his hand on a ball today. Reggie Grimes knocked down a pass. I, I thought it was a, a, a very impressive performance just in terms of it's a foundation for where they need to be or where they want to go. Yeah, it's, they're not, nobody's saying this is a finished product. No, I mean, Brent Venables wasn't from, saying that. From. Ted, Ted Roof wasn't saying that. But you've established a baseline that says we can actually play and we can get better from here. And I think that's all fans wanted to see today. No, I, I think that because there were so high expectations for, uh, you know, what this team was going to be, what the defense was going to look like, for them to come out as hot as they did in the first quarter, too, it was just almost kind of gratifying. It's like, okay, this is moving in the right direction. There were, there were some lulls in the second quarter, obviously, but, uh, you know, overall, again, it was, it was very, very acceptable. Well, Josh, and I think, you know, as much as anything with the fans – uh, with everything that's happened this week, 12-team playoffs, uh, the discussions with the Big 12 and 
uh, you know, in ESPN and Fox. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people were going into this game today thinking like, is this team capable of competing in the SEC or is this is Brent going to change this around to where we can in two or three years actually compete in the SEC? And I think if you were going in wondering that, you came out saying, okay, this this program is now on track to move to the SEC. Yeah, I mean, you know, you've got to, and I'm not saying anything anybody doesn't understand, but you've got to build the talent. You know, the, the, I think that is part of what I was talking about when I, you know, was speaking about the consistency. Like, I don't know that you have some of the elite talent that you need, especially in the, you know, kind of in the front, uh, front four, really. But uh, I think if you continue to build on that and you play with the efficiency that they played with on both sides of the ball for, for large parts, again, like you said, not a finished product, not like it's all where it needs to be, but this was a really good starting point. Like the, there's a lot you can build on from this. There's a lot that I, I think will help the confidence of that entire roster and guys, I mean, how long has it been since Oklahoma walked out of a game, even against a, a lesser opponent, and the defense was like, we, we can hold our head up high. Like, we can feel pretty good about what we did today. Those those performances have been few and far between. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they've uh, really, what, in the last five or six years, probably the second half of the 2020 season is really the only time you can talk about something like that. And it never felt like, even against lesser teams, like three and outs were a problem. Like third and 16 conversions mm-hmm. were a problem. And I never felt today like, oh, they let they let him out of another third and long. My, my dad said it. it was one of the first things that he said after the game when I talked to him. I called him and he said, uh, nobody got behind a defensive back. Yeah. Which, like, I know it's the first game and I know that UTEP's probably not going to be throwing for 700 yards a game, but there is like a certain level of where this thing is coming from you got to take baby steps, don't you, to get yeah. better each yeah. week. Uh, and, and say what you will about UTEP, that quarterback made some throws today. Harrison's I mean, made a decent some, quarterback. Yeah. I, I, re, I mean, and again, may have been a career day. We may look back and look at it kind of like the Tulane kid that we all thought, oh, he's pretty damn good last year, and then it didn't do a lot from that point forward. But today, he made some really nice plays. I mean, at the one – where he drops sidearm to throw around yes. to Sean White. Yeah. That's a great play. I don't care who you are. That that that's that's a there's not a lot of guys that can do that with their arm and he did it and he's got some serious velocity. There's uh there's stuff to like there. I mean, it won't shock me at all if he's a cup of coffee in the NFL kind of you, guy. You'll be able to see it on the uh on the sights and sounds that we'll put up on Sunday, but that was an amazing throw from behind, like from the north end zone looking back into the south end zone for him to drop down into that slot. I was like, "Oh shit, that was that was really nice." I will say this, you know, Brent's a guy that kind of you know, I've heard it said of him before like he basically invents blitzes. Like it's just like he comes up with stuff that nobody's ever done before, that he's never done before. And I felt like today was was pretty basic from that standpoint. A lot, Nothing really exotic from the defense. Uh, a lot of the sacks today came from coverage sacks, where the quarterback just couldn't get rid of the ball, and he took too long, and eventually a, a four-man rush got to him. Or they had a three-man rush with a delayed blitz, I remember one time, uh, and they ended up with a coverage sack. Uh, it, I, I mean... Like that was something that stood out to me is like I don't know the last time I've seen that many coverage sacks from an Oklahoma defense. 
I mean, I, I don't think any of us can remember something like that. I, I don't think we all – there was a time where I was afraid that was against the rules, like that, that you couldn't <laughs> play like that. So, uh, no, I mean, the, I thought – and, and I've seen – you know, I obviously, again, put up the report card for those who haven't read it. Go, go check it out. It's, you know, I had it out, I think within about an hour of the game in, uh, on, um, Saturday night. But the, I, I had a lot of people like, oh, the secondary was terrible. What? Like, I mean, I'm not saying it was perfect, but terrible. You guys have seen terrible secondaries. This wasn't even, wasn't even close. You had guys making tackles in space. After the first two uh, series, I was like, Billy Bowman's going to get a pick today. Like, yeah. he looked great. Like, he was attacking the ball. He was right there in the middle of it. Danny I thought the Stutzman safety had play his hands really on a couple good. of balls. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I again, it, it was nowhere near perfect, but it wasn't bad. Like, it, it was just the only know, time I remember okay. it being just feeling like it was a little getting out of hand was. When uh, Trey Morrison was playing safety and Kendall Daniels was playing corner, and they kind of kept running a guy in between them when they were playing zone, and they, yeah, they, they, there was a like three times, two times maybe, where they hit um, on first downs throwing toward that combo, and that was the only time I was like, okay, this just isn't working. Like it just, they need to change something. They need to take Daniels out, or they need to move Morrison, or whatever. Like that's the only time I remember even being remotely frustrated at the secondary. I, I think that's fair, and I, you know, the I, I thought of anybody. If I was going to say anybody, I thought struggled a little bit in the secondary. I thought it was Trey Morrison. He was the guy that I thought consistently didn't look like he was sure of what he was doing and just got himself a little out of position at times. And again, you know, it could be due to any of a million things. Like I'm not going to, you know, write the guy off of one game, but it just, it, it was like, okay, that that's why when you saw him as opposed to Billy Bowman, to me, there was no question who you felt better about having on the field. Any concern about just uh, not even concern. I, I thought it was interesting just as far as like the defensive rotations. Uh, it, it does seem like there's a solid second unit in that defensive line group. You know, Kelvin Gilliam played quite a bit mm -hmm. today, I thought. And, you know, I, the cornerback situation, I think, ends up working itself out. I was a little bit surprised. I don't know, like, what his actual snap count was. I didn't think that DJ Graham was out on the field very much today. He no, for a while, it's like Jaden Davis just they took him off the field and let Graham play a lot. And okay. And he just – he played well. I mean, like, they, I think that UTEP was a team that looked like if they could find a weakness, they would target it. But I don't – they threw that way a couple of times and just nothing happened. And it was almost like he was on the field and wouldn't have to do anything because they just weren't going his way. Well, I, I mean, we didn't hear much from Woody Washington, but that's usually a good thing yeah. if you're a cornerback. Yeah. You didn't get your name called a lot, and that means that you were probably doing your job. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was just it was one of those days where everybody was solid in the secondary. And you know, you got to see uh Gentry Williams have an interception late in the game, which yeah, that was, was a big that, another big play for a, the alumni. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I thought they were going to go in and score. I think there were some people that were uh, sweating that one out a little bit. That was probably the people that were left in the East stands. The, those people are the ones that are just the degenerates, like yes. basking in the they sun, like, trying they to They were like I have to know if I hold out 32 and a half. Yes, exactly. Um, or maybe a team total, which I think OU did get over today as well. So, but no, and you know, you brought this up earlier, but you know, a lot of freshmen did some nice things today. There was and, a lot of guys that flashed. Now we did. I don't think we saw Kobe McKenzie play at all today. 
But Jared Kanak had a lot of snaps toward the end of the game. We saw some really cool flashes out it's of him. I borderline thought. erotic watching him just run down on kickoff Kanek, coverage. That's a Kanak. Uh, yeah. And but yeah, the play that like that really comes to mind is at the end of the game. He's coming in. He block. He he gets blocked initially. Sheds the block and still makes the tackle for loss. Or I think was it a. I think it was just a generic tackle for loss, but either way, I thought that there were some freshmen today. R. Mason Thomas had a, had a nice uh, run there for a while. Obviously we talked to Anton Harrison and some of those guys that had really praised him. Reggie Grimes really praised him after the game. So it was uh, interesting seeing R. Mason, R. R. Mason Thomas. I'm saying that right. Uh, it's getting late and I'm getting, I'm getting punchy. I think Robert Montgomery, Robert Montgomery, Mason Thomas, um, I don't know where Mason comes from, but Montgomery's his middle name. That was revealed by Reggie Grimes after the game. Interesting. But, I mean, like, seeing him out there, yeah, he looks like a really young uh, rush end that once he puts on some weight after everything we've heard from him, could be a dominant player. Stripling didn't do much today. He was out there quite Did a that? bit, though. I, I, okay, that's what I was going to ask. I was like, I didn't see him all that much, and I was, I thought maybe, maybe they're trying to keep that a little bit under their hat. I, I didn't know what it was. So I thought it was um, pretty equal between uh, Stripling and you know, I mean, Downs and Grimes, obviously. Uh, who else am I missing in that defensive end room? Uh, Ethan. No, Ethan. Our base and Thomas played quite a few snaps. Um, uh, La Lalu played quite a few mm. snaps. Like I just felt like everybody on the defensive line got snaps. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they they cycled through, and I and I didn't see anybody that I thought, ooh, he looks out of his depth, or he's right. not ready to. Right. Like I, I thought there was a bunch of really, like I said earlier, solid performances. Guys, there was a point, and I, I need to look up what the I don't know what the final stats were. I'm not looking at them right in front of me. I but, got them. There was a point when it was, I mean, what did El, yeah, UTEP ended up running, rushing for 28 yards on 31 carries. I, can we think of that's the last time that, that we can, you held somebody on the ground like that? Point that's right. nine, that, point nine yards that's, per carry. It's almost kind of amazing that we can get this far into a post-game recap and that's just now coming up, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's, that's an amazing, I mean, they were plus two thirty one on the ground. If if you want to see what the balance is, and there was a point at halftime, they were at negative four, and OU was at like one thirty. Now so a I mean, lot of that they, might have had to do with the the sacks, right? That oh are, sure, that are sure, hundred percent. Yeah, Hardison had negative thirty four yards rushing, um, but they finished with twenty eight yards rushing. They had a loss of sixty one yards in the game. <laughs> mm hmm. So, I mean, it wasn't just his losses. I mean, they, they double they were yard losses making some plays. Double the gains and losses. I mean, that's pretty incredible. And Hardison threw the ball 42 times. Like, it, you could tell that they were like, okay, throwing the ball is about what we need to be doing here because we cannot run the ball. I mean, like, coaches talk about making teams one dimensional all the time. Oh, you ain't. They ain't done that in a very long time, making no. a team one-dimensional. There were there were points in that game, and especially when it gets to 21-10, that, you know, I, I I don't want to put anybody through PTSD, but I think that, like, even I was sitting down there, it's like, you know, they need to kind of go score here and, like, extend this a little bit because of the situation they were in a year ago with Tulane. I mean, it's it's hard not to remember where they're coming from as far as 
blowing leads, not being impressive, not being able to put teams away. And they, they were able to do that today. And I think that's kind of a sigh of uh, relief that you go, okay, that's a step in the right direction. They know how to play a little bit with a lead. They were able to put it together drives there, especially in the uh, third quarter to extend themselves and not let UTEP get back into the game. And especially defensively when there has been points in the past, you know, couple of years where maybe UTEP does hit a third and 11 and they extend that drive. And then all of a sudden you look up and it's 28-17 or 28, you know, God forbid, 28-21, whatever. I think we all kind of agree that the defense, um, you know, it was it was what we thought it needed to be. Sure. Like, it's not starting, impressed. It's a starting point. It's you know, not disappointed. It's, it's a starting point, as you're saying. And, and you know, I, I think the, the thing that we were most interested in, though, is what is this offense going to look like? Sure. And... You know, I think we all knew Dylan Gabriel, successful quarterback in the past. Uh, all these new receivers, Marvin Mims, Theo Weiss, uh, Jalil Farouk, uh, Drake Stoops, how that would work out, uh, Braden Willis. Like, what's this going to look like? And then offensive line-wise, how physical are they? How do they play together? Uh, can, you know, because we've seen this year after year, like Bill Beatonbow takes several games to get his offensive line kind of humming. Uh, and I would say, overall, I feel better about the offense than I do the defense, although I don't feel bad about the defense. I just feel like the explosive plays, it would have been like if the defense came out and had like three interceptions today. Like, that's how good the... Op- Maybe I'm not giving the offense enough credit because that's the most explosive offense, 21 nothing in the first quarter. I haven't seen that type of explosion since Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. It... it- so weird because you go like defensively. I, I think it's been so bad over the last couple of years. You have like this baseline of like, can they tackle? Can they execute fundamentals? Can, are they going to get beat? Are they going to give up big plays? And then offensively, it's almost flipped because they have been historically so good over the last five years. Maybe not so much as the last two. So kind of like, I, I don't know, Josh, is it kind of like if you have terrible children and they go to a birthday party and you're just hoping that they don't like, like maybe break my, stuff? Maybe my kids aren't so bad when you see the little bullshit snot-nosed kids like really causing hell inside the McDonald's play place? <laughs> there is no greater joy than realizing you don't have the worst kids <laughs> in that particular that, that, That's an amazing feeling. So, yeah, yeah I mean, th- th- there's something to that where you're like, uh, okay, like whatever else is, that's not mine. That that problem's not mine. So, yeah, I, I think that's what you're talking about where even if it's something so simple – Hey, there's a silver lining there. Like you can take some solace in that. And it's crazy that at a place like Oklahoma that, that that this is the point, you know, we as media and the fans have gotten to like just tackle. Just just let's just start with tackling. Like let, let's go from there. And that's where OU and fans have been. Like they've been stuck in uh, the low yep. expectations, uh happy to have someone just not tell them to go screw themselves. Guys, I, I mentioned it in a prior conversation. I mean, definitely not on a on a previously recorded pod, but <laughs> the 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 play by Jordan Kelly where he sh- where he just rips through the offensive lineman and makes that tackle for loss in the first quarter, guys, that felt like a big thing, and it shouldn't like that. That should just be hey, that's a good senior player that knows what he's doing and he makes a play. Like 
But we haven't seen stuff like that. Like that just hasn't. And for all, you know, and guys like Isaiah, and I don't want to disparage Isaiah and Perion and some of those guys because they've made plenty of good plays. But that was just a fundamentally sound play. It wasn't like, oh, this guy's a freakish talent and made an amazing play here. He he did something that he had really refined and worked on, and he made a play. And it, it was just like, oh, okay, that that's a thing. Like you can you can maximize who you are. You know, and, and is that, that the value me, of Todd Bates right there? I, I I think you you almost have to say it is. Um, the the thing that to me I come away with you know in talking to some of my buddies. You know, I know Eddie mentioned talking to his dad, and I was talking to some of my buddies after the game. The thing that would excite me as an OU fan would be these guys are going to get better. Like yeah. the things you're seeing, the Billy Bowman moments that are good or the Danny Stutzman moments, they're going to improve. Yeah. Like this isn't one of those things where Jordan Thomas looks great as a freshman. Gentry Williams in that pick, that's not going to be Gentry Williams' last great moment. Like, Hell, Danny there's going to be more. Danny Stutzman, Stutzman makes like, plays that you go, if this is just the taste of what it could be, it's really going to be exciting when he gets becomes a veteran type player. And but Brent, what I want to say is said it after the game. What I want to say is Danny Stutzman is he's a natural linebacker. Yeah. What about David Aguebu? Yep. Yeah. Who's just learning how to be a real linebacker? And remember the conversations we were having with him the other day about yeah. Brent and his kind of uh, sadistic uh, you know need for people to be perfect in every little thing that they do and like how David Aguebu likes that. Like, he's still learning how to play the position. And he looked damn good today. He just moves so much better yeah. with all that lost weight. But, like, Danny, you can tell, like, and Josh, I think you said it earlier. It's like, they are probably not where they want to be depth-wise at linebacker, but there are flashes, and there were flashes today of, whether it be a Wegbu or Stutzman, that... It you can really buy into what this future could be or what the ceiling could be for that linebacker group. Oh, if if, if the world is not prepared for me to dunk on them with Danny Stutzman, you are sad. You're looking <laughs> at the wrong guy. I am. I plan to tell you. I told you so. A whole hell of a lot. So, um, speaking of Eddie, you hadn't. I told you in the uh, in the middle of the game, and, and I'm blanking on what that was because. Because I, I literally, you tweeted it, and I was going to do almost the exact same tweet on your behalf, and I can't remember who it was. Somebody made a play. The, pride, the, pride, the new pride of the BLC, it. the new pride of the 405, uh, Heritage Hall graduate himself, uh, of course, Mr. Yes. Gavin Freeman. Yes. If we want to kind of transi- transition into the offensive side of the football, it it. Was, I, I thought that was so cool. The first touch for a kid that grew up in Oklahoma, obviously, uh, you know, Jason, his dad played at Oklahoma. I grew up like idolizing Jason Freeman in my backyard and for his son to come and now and uh, be the guy that, you know, kind of turned in one of the, uh, the big highlight plays of the day offensively. Uh, that was really cool. And it was also really cool because we had heard that like Gavin had made waves during the summer, during seven on seven. What a better workout guys there was. Yeah. And then for him to go out and they put in packages for him to be able to do that. It was like okay, this is this is going to be a uh, kind of a thing for uh, for Gavin Freeman and the Oklahoma offense, and it was just cool to talk to him after the game. Although I did almost have to hit him because somebody asked him like, "What was one of his first memories of watching Oklahoma football?" And he said it was coming with his family and watching Sterling Shepard play uh, football at Oklahoma. And I was just like, "Oh God, 
I am so old right now, but <laughs> it uh, it was really Those cool. Those come in waves. I, I, that that really kind of messed me up, though, when he said that one of his favorite memories as a child was watching Sterling Shepard uh, play football at Oklahoma. That that really kind of cut deep with me, but it was really cool. What a great run! Uh, you know, I think that everybody pointed it out at the time. Braden Willis is downfield blocking. Jalil Farouk's downfield blocking. Uh, you know, really just a really great play. And, uh, you know, a lot of fun, obviously, for somebody that likes cheering for the Oklahoma City kids. You know what I think people at Heritage Hall need? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know where this is going. What? Lexuses. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yes. I mean, I don't know about need, but could absolutely. They should have a Lexus. Mm, yeah. Uh, Eskridge Lexus, our very proud partner of uh, an official travel partner. They're very proud. Man, it is getting late. Eskridge Lexus is very proud to be the official travel partner. Uh, this is written by Ed Eskridge, by the way. This is not this is not me putting words in Ed Eskridge's mouth. Uh, very proud to be the official travel partner and sponsor of the Sooner Scoop post game pod and even the drunken post game pod. Should the situation arrive. Uh, and everybody kind of knows this that's been trying to buy a car lately, especially in the luxury car market. The new car inventories are still pretty limited, uh, but they are improving, and uh, Eskridge has more new vehicles arriving every week. I went through this myself, um, and basically, kind of if you know what you want, like if you've been an ES driver, you've been an LX driver, you've been an IS driver as I am, uh, you can go in and just meet with Ed and say, hey, can you tell me kind of what's coming in, colors, you know, uh, uh, addition sizes, whatever, like, and let me know and, and, and let me get my financing in order and all this stuff. And then when the cars come in, you can get in line for one. And they're really great about that with the low inventory. Uh, they've also been stocking up on uh, Lexus L certified pre-owned vehicles, which anyone that's ever had a Lexus knows some of the most reliable cars that you can buy. Uh, L-certified cars also come with four free services, free car washes, and use of brand new Lexus loaner vehicles uh, while your cars are in the service department. Not because they break down, but because sometimes you want to get a scheduled, uh, you know, 15, 20,000 mile service and they let you have a car to drive around, especially like if you live in Norman and you go all the way up to Oklahoma City. So visit EskridgeLexus.com. Most up-to-date inventories are there. Uh, or to book your next service appointment, which I have to do because I have a free 10,000-mile complimentary car service with my new Lexus IS uh, 350F Sport. So thank you to Ed. Thank you to Eskridge Lexus for uh, being a big part of the post-game pod. You know, the 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 drunken podcast or the, the drunken post-game pods, it's not up to me. Like, it's up to the OU football team, and it's up to the players on the team to, uh, you know, give us something to talk about. So if they want to play bad... I will deliver. I know that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you won a drunken pod because that means like you lost to Kansas. Uh, well, uh, yes, that would have been worse than a drunken pod. We, I would Whoa. have gotten kicked out of the press box <laughs> in Lawrence. Last year, didn't we do a quasi-drunken pod even after they beat Kansas just because being that close to losing to Kansas. Is no, because Eddie and I did reality. that pod driving on the turnpikes. Uh, oh, that's We recorded right. that on the... Where? In Kansas. After after they did, oh, were no, down I, at No, that was K-State. No, that was K-State because I almost got kicked out of the Kansas press box when we were doing the uh, podcast last year. The guy came up and told me to be quiet, the Kansas SID. 
Because I was yelling that the uh, Kansas quarterback couldn't start an intermittals for uh, the Fijis. <laughs> okay. So it was Kansas State, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of, a little love for the Jayhawks. 56 to 10 over Tennessee Tech. Hey, I, I don't know hey, what it a, says about, step. I don't know what it says about the Tennessee Tech football program when you're a 32 and a half point underdog on a Friday night in Lawrence. But Lance Leopold, can I call my shot right now? Lance Leopold, the next head coach of LSU. Because when you're, you're already done with Brian Kelly, because when Brian Kelly fails, they're going to be mad that they didn't get Billy Napier. Yeah. And they're going to say, that dude is just like Billy Napier. We need that dude. It was a good win for uh, Billy Napier tonight, knocking off Utah in uh, Gainesville. Anthony uh, That was a fun game to really watch. Good. I don't know how much By the way, it was the, the, the second half, Josh, I mean, the back and forth, mm. the punches between those two teams, it, that was a – we've been kind of blessed here in this first week of college football that, uh, you know, there's been some really good football games. By the way, I want to uh, – I'll give a little shout out to uh, my good friends at the Pat McAfee podcast uh, or Pat McAfee show. Uh, they're Lou Holtz. Uh, not, so good. Not uh, being written back by Brian Kelly. So good. Uh, when With all the letters he sent back, that was some of the finest. That's five minutes of segment radio, audio that gold. I've ever heard. Yeah. yeah, it was really good. Offensively, running backs. Oh boy, you want you want me to get into my running back let's, spiel? Let's go through the spiel. Let's go through the entire spiel. So, um, look, maybe I, or maybe not again. I like <laughs> <laughs> I like Eric Gray. Um, I think he has a lot of value in that running back room as a leader, as a guy that you want out on the edge. And you know, I I think he can be really good between the tackles at times, but. To me, Eric Gray, after a year and one game, I am not ready to say that he's a feature back worthy of being at the University of Oklahoma. We saw last year, Kennedy Brooks was the better back. And I, if we may or may not have done a pod before this one that didn't record, I may have challenged you guys to name who he is better than in the last decade, two decades as a running back at Oklahoma, where you're like, yeah, he's better than him. And the only guys I think you can come up with are Dom Whaley and possibly Chris Brown, although they're two completely different types of runners. Chris Brown was an inside runner. Brennan? Brennan Clay, but was he a starting feature back? Out of anything but injury? I know what you mean, and I don't know if that would qualify, but yes. I think he's better than Brennan and more explosive than Brennan. I think he's more explosive than Chris Brown. I think he's more explosive than Dom Whaley. Outside of that, uh, Rodney Anderson was a better back. Oh, 100%. Uh, I mean, I'm just thinking of, of like, even, I mean, Joe Mixon, uh, Samaj P. Ryan, sure. Kennedy Brooks. Sure. I mean, there's probably some bad, like, I'll, like I'll Trey Sermon. To think Trey about. Sermon? S- is he more like a Trey yeah. Sermon? Yeah, it's pretty close. I mean, is yeah, it, is again, it kicking, different kinds of players. Is it but kicking it, the can down the road if you say that there's not, like, we haven't seen enough of Eric Gray to really. I Well, and here's we. the thing. Here's the thing. I think that there's a gear that Eric Gray has, but he has to find it. He has to find that gear that says, I'm not always going to run towards space. Yeah. Like, I'm going to run towards and through contact. Well, and I just don't think he's built like that, but he needs, he needs to find that part of his running back game. I thought he opened strong. There was just some lulls there in the second quarter. Like, the, the first quarter where he breaks off the long run, and then he also has the, uh, the reception... 
that put him in the red zone. Right. Those are those are two plays that you go, okay, this is what you've kind of signed up for. But the he also has is, given the ball at the two-yard line right, two plays right. in a row and can't punch it in, and Marcus Major does it on the very next play. Should that be a play, though, that he's not put in? Should that just automatically go to, I'm to glad Waters they, I'm glad or they gave Marcus it to Major? Him. I'm glad they – I am I think we have to find this out. Sure, like, it's sure. a perfect opportunity. Like, I, he didn't hurt anybody by doing it, but, but he didn't do it. And yeah. now we know – he didn't, and against a team that North Texas ran all over last week. Yeah, well, and, and that I, could be on the offensive line too. I mean, the, the good news is though, it's very apparent that there's a running back behind him that's going to continue to push him. Right? Which one are we talking about? Marcus Major. Oh, I, I thought Marcus Major, not the freshman. Yeah, I mean, I Josh, didn't you think Marcus Major? I know that he, you were really high on him, uh, even on the in the U forty this past week. As far as it, he's a guy that when you talked about the Jeff Levy offense, it's nearly a perfect fit. And I thought today you saw shades of him getting more and more comfortable. Yeah, I, I, I just love the way he fits and plays in that offense. The way he's such a downhill guy, he's going to pick up yardage. He's going to keep the chains moving. He, you know, guys, it's watching this offense when it's really clicking. Makes me think back to, and you don't see it as much anymore, but like in college basketball, like in the 90s, like the, the Nolan Richardsons, the stuff. Well, the thing that, you know, even in Billy Tubbs, like you can't run high pressure, full court press stuff if you are not scoring baskets. Like you, you gotta, you know, they've gotta take the ball out so you can reset and do your defense the way you want. And that's the same way I look at this offense. Like you've gotta be, making positive yardage to keep the pressure on that defense like nobody cares if you quick snap and it's second and 13 like uh, okay cool man like you're just you're doing your thing here but you're starting behind the eight ball so I, I think he is really good in terms of he's gonna just fall forward he worst case you're gonna break even it's gonna be second and ten or it's gonna be second and eight like he's not gonna hurt you dancing around and making decisions. And I didn't think Eric Gray was that bad about that tonight. And I did want to say something Kerry said earlier, and I know he's talked before already. It's a little late for all of us um, and being a little punch. I, I think Kerry said something along the lines of, like, d- doesn't deserve to be at OU, and he just meant as the feature back. Like, I, I don't want people to misunderstand yes. and say, like, Kerry, no, Kerry said he, he shouldn't be at OU. No, he definitely has a That's place in the offense, just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just you're you're debating whether he should be a feature-type guy, and, and I, I think that's fair. And it, it leads into the other part, and I'll, you know, let – everybody knows I'm a big Javante Barnes fan, but – Man, just watching him tonight, the the twitch on him is just different than anybody. I, I could argue anybody else in that offense. Like he he explodes in and out of his cuts. Well, and and see, here's the problem, and we saw this a year ago. Like if Eric Gray's your feature back, and he's getting all the carries, and he got double the carries of anybody else t- tonight. Uh, if he's going for five on you, know, you you you're incomplete on first down. You run on second down. He gets five. Because he runs through the middle and he just, you know, it, or he tries to run around the edge. But then you're in third and five. And all of a sudden, you're in danger of a three and out. Like, you need a running back that's going to get you six, seven. Like, if you're going to run it between the tackles against an inferior team. To me, that's... And what was it tonight? 7.7, I think, uh, that Marcus Major averaged. 
Which Eric Gray had seven, a seven, really good average. Eric I mean, Gray averaged six he four. Was six four. I mean, yeah. Dante Barnes averaged six. Yeah. Two. Anything above four is Gavin winning. Freeman winning forty six, but that's no big deal. Yeah, Gavin Freeman's forty six is pretty strong. <laughs> no, they, the the offensive line. I you know they I thought that they played well, but you know obviously there was some stuff that they can clean up here yeah. over the course of uh, you know the next couple of weeks. And what did you think about Tyler Guyton starting in uh, place of Wanya Morris today? I liked him. Like uh, again, and you know, um, I mentioned it a little bit on Twitter. There, there was something. There was a moment um, in the third quarter. It's just a throwaway ball from Dylan Gabriel down in that southeast corner. But there's a play, and it, it just, like I said, and it's not anything that that people have to go and watch or something. It's not super, you know, amazing from an analytical standpoint. But he, he, it's it's just a pass. It's a throw, and he kind of lunges out to the defender knocks him down i mean like not just kind of staggers him and does it with his first punch and he's so quick to get out on the guy and you're like wow that's that's just athleticism and length and all this strength that you don't usually see but then he does it to such a degree that he almost knocks himself like he's off balance and then the defender's kind of able to redirect and get around him and and i don't think he ended up making the play but i want to say he applied a little pressure to gabriel on the play so um and again, I more than anything, I think it's indicative of where he's at. Like there is supreme talent there, and there are flashes of it that you see. And then at the same time, you're like, that's that's like basic O line one hundred and one stuff that he's breaking the rules of. Like whatever else you do, you got to keep your base. You got you know, like that. Th- that's just simplistic stuff. And it's not that he doesn't know it. It's just you know him getting used to doing it. And staying within himself, snap in and snap out, that's going to come. Like, uh, there is a world in which he goes out and dominates this Kent State team I'm watching right now, and Wanya Morris never gets his job back. I mean, uh, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. He is that talented. But at the same time, he's got to clean up a lot. Brent Venables did talk about the Wanya Morris situation after the game. He didn't really shed any more light on it, just said that it was an off-the-field thing that they've been working on. Wanya did practice this week, though. I don't think it's going to be a long-term situation, just to kind of clear the air I think that. most of us have heard a couple of weeks, um, yeah. which, you know, you get him back for Nebraska. That's, you know. Which will be interesting. As long as his are, are job gonna, hasn't been taken. I mean, yeah, that's are the they going to throw him into a situation where yeah. he's starting all of a sudden in Lincoln, Nebraska in the week? In the third week of the season, I don't. From like Josh said, I don't think Kent State's going to give you exactly uh, warm and fuzzies about your starting lineup if they play particularly well in that game. I think you're still going to have some questions like, "Is this the real thing?" Sure, or not? Um, I look. It's late. We're running time. Here's what I want. We're going to talk about a couple more things here, but feel free when we post this podcast say, say, "Hey, you didn't talk about this. Please talk about the unofficial forty. Like. I know we got to get to special teams and stuff like that. And just real quick, like, could not have been happier to see uh, Billy Bowman take two kickoffs out of the end zone and try and return them. Uh, it's been like that was automatic. If it went in, into the end zone under Lincoln Riley, it was a touchback. Like, fair catch, take a knee. It was nice to see that. Uh, but we haven't really talked about Dylan Gabriel and our impressions of him. I kind of wanted to do that. And I'll, I'll let you guys start. Uh, but on the night, uh, a nice night, 15 to 23, 233 yards, two TDs. I really felt like if they wanted to press the situation tonight, they could have got him 300 for his opener, no problem. Uh, but, you know, the, like you said, they had a couple of three and outs back to back. You know, Jeff Levy talked about all that in the post game. 
Uh, and kind of like with everything else, no one feels like they're completely happy with what they saw, but it was enough for them to make, make themselves feel like they've taken a good first step. But Dylan, Gabriel, you guys kind of, your thoughts on what you saw tonight. Go for it, Josh. You know, I just thought he was incredibly steady. Like, it, it was just, he never looked. I, I And again, I think the thing, and, and I, I own this myself, so I'm sure some of you fans were probably feeling the same way. You've got to readjust your clock a little bit because we're so used to just, you know, the, the air raid and the whole Leach and Riley scheme where it's just, you know, boom, boom, gone. You know, the ball, there, there's almost no time to create any pressure because the ball's out so fast. And yeah. that, that's just the way it works. But with this vertical, you know, attack downfield style of play, there's going to be moments like there were in that second quarter where he got sacked a couple times or had some, you know, at least, you know, got hit a little bit, had some pressure in his face. That's going to happen sometimes because they hang on to the ball a little longer. He's waiting for these longer routes to develop, uh, waiting to see, you know, if Marvin Mims or whoever it may be is going to open up down the field. So there are, there, there's going to be some times where he looks, I, you know, I don't want to say out of sorts, but it doesn't look like it's going right. And it's just the reality of football. The longer you hold on to the ball, the, long, the more chance you have of getting hit. So I, I think you're going to see a little bit of that, and people have to get used to it. But hey, real quick, I, I never thought that, he was out of sorts. Uh, on that point, don't don't we kind of have the feeling now after watching a first game that Dylan Gabriel wants to throw the long ball, but he mainly wants to throw it to Marvin Mims and Jalil Farouk? Didn't you get that feel tonight? Like those yeah. are his those are his 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 safety busters. I think that's how he sees those two guys. Am I wrong and in that? I don't think so. And they just they just missed. He just missed them yeah. today. Like I but DeLille, he didn't miss Mims every time. I mean, Farouk was open a couple times yeah. and he just missed him. I'm talking like the long vertical yes. throws. Yes. And but they really, for the most part, didn't take a whole lot of shots either. I mean, they took a handful of them. I thought that they, they were going to take a couple on some more. of the shots that they were I, trying to take. I, I kind of walked away like being somewhat in like a very weird way, like almost kind of disappointed with the receiving group today. But I understand that it's going to be a work in progress, and like I'm not making any bold well, no proclamations. No one can live up to your Gavin Freeman. Well, that's what I'm saying. They need to play more. Just throw the ball <laughs> down to Gavin Freeman every time. No, I, it was around. it was it was I, I was slight. Like, can I be disappointed with the vertical game today in saying that I understand that it's going to be a work in progress? Or are you just an asshole? I'm probably just an asshole, but I can, it, both can be true. <laughs> I think say, so. where, where do I vote? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, and, and I just, I mean, from what I saw, it, it's kind of what I expected. It was nice seeing that first series uh, where it was four, you know, they get, they get backed up by two penalties, then four plays from the four-yard line uh, into the end zone. That was impressive. Uh, and, you know, I just... He throws a nice deep ball. It's what I expected. I, I would like to see Drake Stoops more involved. I'd like to just see more short stuff across the middle involved. But, you know, guys, maybe that's the tough thing with Dylan Gabriel, that because of his size, throwing over the middle is something that he knows that he needs to avoid a little bit. And I did notice he had some slants over the middle. Uh, at least a couple were behind the receiver uh, where they he might have been able to throw him open. But instead, he, he allowed the defensive back to kind of get a hand in and, and, and break up that pass. There you go. Yeah. My analysis sucked. No, I, I, 
No, I was, I was waiting for. Josh I know. To I was trying in. to picture a moment. I, I, I was. I, I think it's because I'm up in the press box looking at the mm-hmm. the replays and stuff a lot more. So there, there were there. It just seemed like it was a very clean performance. Like the the one thing that I would say was like the interception at the goal line. Not a big deal. It was swiped away because of a pass interference. Mm-hmm. Obviously, maybe not the best idea to throw it there. Although, did he get interfered with? He is I was, not afraid I was to throw in, in double coverage. I was in tight yeah. there on that shot. So I mean, I that's the really see. that's the one thing I took from it. He's not afraid to throw into double coverage. Now you don't want to throw throw into triple and quadruple coverage. That's where you get in trouble. But he definitely feels like if he's got a receiver with some jets, he'll throw that into double coverage and hope his guy comes out the other end. Which, to be honest, isn't that what we were asking for of the previous quarterbacks? Like, put exactly. a little faith yeah. in yeah. Marvin Mims. Yeah, like, absolutely. You know, believe your guy's going to go make a play. And I, you know, for it to be this early in the process, I think is probably, that's that's a good sign, right? I mean, he obviously, he hadn't played in a game with a bunch of these guys before. And to have that trust that you need to develop in a game or in practice or just throwing on their own, uh, you know, I, I, I think that it's kind of like the defensive side of the football. There are a lot of positives that you go, good foundation. I want to see a little bit more in week two. And then I want to see a little bit more in week three. And so on and so on. And especially as you get into the K-State, TCU, Texas's, you know, that, that middle portion of the schedule, a.k.a. the beginning of conference play. By the way, I hadn't looked at it, and I, I even ever since the game was over, I thought I want to look at that and, and see what it is. But uh, UTEP five of fifteen on third downs, not bad. We've seen a hell of a lot worse. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've seen better conversion rates on third and long than that. So yeah, that that's uh, that no. And again, you know, the 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 quarterback made some plays, man. I mean, the, there were some. There were some moments where I thought Oklahoma's coverage was fine. Thought they created some pressure, and boy, he just he made some outstanding throws. The receivers made a couple of great catches. That one where the guy went up and got it uh, on a third and like eleven or something that was a, that was just a great throw, a great catch. I mean, I don't I don't know what I don't care who you I don't think Alabama's stopping that play. Like it was just it was well executed. By the way, and I did mean OU's defense held UTEP to five of fifteen. OU just three and eight on third down conversions. Uh, they were one on one on fourth, but here's the here was the impressive part for OU, uh, and you mentioned it, Eddie. You know, what was it? Ten possessions, six scores. Um, yeah, ten ten possessions, six scores, kicked a, or six touchdowns, kicked a field goal. They were four of five or five of five in the red zone today. Perfect. I mean, that's all you can ask for: four touchdowns and a field goal. The, and they should have they should have tacked on the touchdown there at the end i mean javante barnes is walking into the end zone and it gets called back on a hold yeah was it on marcus six maybe i can't remember uh, yeah i, I was, was i was coming down to the oh field. yeah yeah yep you're right mm-hmm. 59 yep. it was it was savion and it was it it Egregious. completely valid call savion oh, <laughs> just grabs him like he, he he had somebody on his right shoulder and the, they brought a blitzer to his left gap and he just he couldn't deal with both and so he knew he just needed to stop the guy for a split second and he just you know but um you know the thing on that play and uh it it just stood out to me it was one of those funny things Javante Barnes as soon as he takes that ball you can see his body language he knew he was going to score like that he he just has a burst that nobody else in that backfield has right now yeah all right uh I think that's going to do it like I said 
we'd like to be more thorough. I'll just admit it. Uh, we did a podcast before this one, and I didn't record it um, <laughs> again. It was hey, It was a low point. For you, I, I thought you were either going to cry or break everything in the studio. I really thought about at first. I felt like I needed to cry, but then I wanted to break everything. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it was, was a, a range of emotions. It was a tumultuous moment. I've. I, the problem studios. is we have wire, like Ethernet audio, and so I've been testing that in the other room, and I forgot that. Yeah. So I unplugged some stuff, and I didn't. I if, unplugged the recorder. If, and, if we could have had that on video, that it was a moment. For sure. How Guys, do I know that you didn't snap what, that somewhere? Huh? How do I know that you didn't snap that somewhere? I, I didn't. I promise. One of the toughest things is never knowing if it's better that I'm not there or worse that I'm not there. Like, I don't know if it's because I'm like, I've got to hear it and I can't do anything to help. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't have to be there and just see like the pure anger. I mean, I got space. all of I'm my. I'm just glad that I wasn't part of a murder suicide. I got all of my mic. <laughs> My my recording issues fixed from the weekend. Uh, we're building another computer. Like I thought things were getting better on the techno technology side of things. Uh, Bob's camera was great tonight. Yeah, we were good. We were good. He charged his uh, recorder. Like we 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 rebounded until tonight. It was a good pod too. It was better than this one. Yeah, probably. Well, it was. One hundred percent was. That's okay though. Hey, it's 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 preseason for everybody, or somewhat of a preseason first run through for everything. And I thought, you know, kind of just in closing, I thought it was a really cool day for Brent Venables. I yeah, that's it really something was. that he talked about after the game. It was cool seeing them take the family picture down in the south end zone with the scoreboard in the background. Uh, it was cool that his his daughter brought in the game ball that Joe C gave him after the game. Uh, into the red room for post game interviews. So yeah, and if you was, haven't seen the video of Josie presenting him with a game yeah, ball, you need to go really look at the cool. OU football account on Twitter. Really cool, awesome. And I think that it was kind of the culmination of you know thirty years as an assistant that kind of peaked today with uh, the way that this team went out and played for him. Uh, and obviously, you know, I think the uh, the start of what could be a uh, you know a fun year, obviously. And, you know, maybe a, a fun era of Oklahoma football because they really kind of sold into that. I thought it was interesting that they, like, really kind of sold into the new era. I, I don't know. Maybe taking a shot at the predecessor, but it was uh, kind of interesting. The, the how they video did intro was good today. I yeah, thought. it was really yeah. good. It was really cool. I enjoyed it. Uh, all right. Uh, Josh, thank you for staying up late with us. A little after midnight here uh, in Norman. Also want to say thanks to everybody. Uh, I know we weren't inviting anyone, but... For all you that stopped by this weekend just to say hi or want to buy a shirt, uh, we do appreciate that. Uh, we'll try and figure something out for game day. And uh, met uh, Sooner Stealth today from the board uh, as I was coming in to grab the extra camera and stuff. And the alarm was going off. I was trying to be so nice oh, really? that the alarm started going off because he got me right as I was opening the oh, door. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, so I had to turn that off. But we've had you know just great people come and visit us over the weekend and uh I, we want to have something and maybe even get josh here where we can invite people to come in and check things out and buy some merch and things like that so um i'll just say this we're not a store like that's the one thing i know people we have an online store but we're not built to be a store like we don't even have bags to put like merch in when we sell it to you we just have to hand it to you uh all of our stuff is just for shipping blue so collar. we're blue collar over here Oh yes, I can't. I, is white collar? Those are rich people. That's right? the type of crime we want to do. White collar. We. 
All right, that's going to do it. We're going to get out of here. And like I said, bitch at us on the boards if we miss stuff that you wanted to hear us talk about. We'll talk about it on the Unofficial 40. We don't mind you guys coming after us. Zach Schmidt's the king. He made everybody a winner today with the cover, so we're good. Him and Gentry Williams. Yes, Gentry Williams had a big part of that, shades of Oklahoma people all over the place. Bishop McGinnis, Heritage Hall, Booker T. Washington, Weatherford. It was nice. Good day for the Sooners. And you know they can all go to Eskridge Lexus and buy a Lexus now. All right. Give it to them. NIL. NIL. Uh, Thank you for listening. We'll be back again next week for another Eskridge Lexus postgame pod uh, right here on Soonerscoop.com.